Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all and to worship with you. Can you believe it's just over a week until Christmas? Does everybody here have their Christmas shopping done? Some of you? few overachievers, yeah? Well, I thought, you know, it's kind of hard to believe and there's so much going on these days. I want to help you get in the Christmas spirit. So I invited my friend Josh here to come and play a little uh, Christmas music for us. So what do you got? Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party. Uh, stop, stop. Hot. Josh, um, I don't know if you read the you newspaper this morning. You asked me to sing Christmas morning. music. Yeah, but, you know, the newspaper this morning was pretty depressing, and I think that's a little too cheerful. Maybe something else. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming uh, Josh. to town. Josh, Santa Josh, stop, 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 stop. All right. I'm pretty sure a lot of us here today have a lot of struggles going on in our life, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's not really an easy time of year. Do you have something maybe a little more appropriate? I'll have a blue Christmas without you. It'll be so blue. I think that's perfect. Thinking about you. Awesome. Decorations. Sorry. Thanks, Josh. I think you really put us in the right mood. I think we should give him a little round of applause. <laughs> what I want to talk with you about this morning is that Christmas time can be one of the most difficult times of the year. Christmas can be a very hard season to go through. You know, I think our culture and our country, our society likes to tell us, you know, this should be the happiest, most cheerful time of year. I mean, we've got all this great Christmas music. We've got Christmas movies on repeat on television. Maybe you're getting, you know, letter after letter in the mail from people, and it seems like everybody's life is just so great. But personally, we might be struggling. Personally, we might be facing a lot of valleys and a lot of difficulties, and Christmas can be a very hard time of the year. Or at least at minimum, it can be a bittersweet time of year where we have some of those ups and we get to be around friends and family, but then we have those other struggles that kind of weigh us down, and so it's kind of a bittersweet time of the year. Now, I think Christmas and the holidays can take our emotions and magnify them and intensify them. So if we're dealing with loneliness or we're dealing with the loss of a loved one, suddenly at this time of year, it becomes that much harder to deal with. Or maybe you're having some struggles financially or with your job, and it's you know, difficult any time of the year, but when it comes to the holidays, those emotions and those feelings are intensified and they're magnified again. And so we end up at Christmas parties or at celebrations at work. We come to church on Sunday morning and we feel like we should just put on a happy face because everybody else is so happy. But deep down, we're hurting. Deep down, we face sorrow and struggle and uncertainty. I think Christmas on its own can never live up to all that our society projects on it. But when we embrace God's real intention 
for this season, when we embrace his message and what he wants to communicate into our life, suddenly we can experience true meaning and true purpose and true perspective. But it means going beyond what our society communicates, goes beyond just kind of the fun stuff in the periphery. We need to dig in to what God's word has to say for us today. So we're in the middle of the sermon series that we've called Adventure. And the reason it's called Adventure is because we are in the season of Advent, four weeks leading up to the coming of Christ. And the word Advent simply means arrival. It means coming. And Advent is about so much more than getting our Christmas shopping done. It's so much more than Swedish meatballs and lefse, maybe lutefisk if you're daring. Advent is so much more than breaking out our Christmas CDs once a year. Because I believe God wants to take us on an adventure, this Advent. He wants to do something new in your life and mine. He wants to take us to places that aren't possible on our own. And so a number of weeks ago, when Pastor Jason kicked off the series, he talked about how God wants to take us from anxiety to hope. And then last week, I talked about how God wants to take us from bitterness to love. And today, I want to dig into more of the Christmas story with you and talk about how God wants to take us from sorrow to joy. And to do so, I want to talk about a familiar part of the Christmas story, which we heard read in our gospel reading. It's the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, you might remember Mary was from this very small, very insignificant town called Nazareth. When it comes to problems and stresses and sorrow and brokenheartedness, Nazareth was central to all of those things. In fact, the entire country of Israel had been occupied and oppressed for many generations. They had not experienced freedom for many, many years, and they were just looking forward to a time when they would no longer be occupied and mistreated and beaten down. King Herod was ruling on behalf of the Roman Empire, and he was one of the most brutal and cruel rulers in history. There are documents that talk about how he was not only cruel to his subjects and to his employees, but he was incredibly cruel to his own children, even. And meanwhile, Roman soldiers roamed free throughout the countryside. They taxed the people 90% you can imagine. And they could seize your property or any of your possessions whenever they wanted. And so first century Israel, and especially Nazareth, was an especially sorrowful and broken-hearted place to live. In addition, Nazareth, this hometown of Mary and the hometown of Jesus, was one of the very most insignificant places in the entire country. Archaeologists estimate there are less than 400 people who lived in Nazareth at that time. And it wasn't like a cute, trendy town with a bed and breakfast that everybody wanted to go visit. It was a place everybody on purpose would try to avoid. A couple decades later, when Jesus was recruiting his disciples and Nathaniel found out where Jesus was from, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, that little town, how can anybody and anything good come out of that place? 
It was located about four miles from one of the larger Roman forts. And so documents from the first century said one of the only things it had going for it was that it had a great red light district that the soldiers loved to visit. That was what Nazareth was known for. So along comes this girl named Mary, and she's between the ages of 12 and 14, and she's engaged to a man. And before you're shocked by that, it was very normal at this time in history. We don't know much more about Mary. We don't know what her family was like. We don't know what she had encountered in her life specifically. But she's in this very sad, sorrowful, broken-hearted town. And so we know that she was encountering some of those same feelings and emotions in her life. Being a girl engaged from this insignificant town meant that there were a lot of struggles and a lot of valleys that she was already facing in her life. But then this adventure begins, and it begins just like our story last week began with the appearance of an angel And the angel's name is Gabriel, and he comes to Mary face to face, and he has these words to say to her. He says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I mean, no one had ever talked to her like this. And imagine being Mary for a moment. You are face to face with an angel of the Lord. What would you do? And she's shocked. It says she is troubled. And I love how comforting and assuring assuring the angel is. He treats her with great care and grace and simply says, don't be afraid, Mary. And he proclaims to her her true identity. She's favored by God. She's loved by God. And not only that, he is with her right at that moment. But then comes this earth-shattering news. This young girl who's only engaged to be married is about to give birth to a child. Now, evidently, Mary has been to middle school health class because she's like, how in the world could this take place? I'm a virgin. But not only that, she has to be questioning, how can all of these amazing things that you have to say about this baby come true? I mean, how can I have a baby that's going to change the world and deliver the world from its brokenness? How can a baby like that be born in a place like this? How can a child from here in my family be a world changer and be the king overall? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Nothing good at all comes out of Nazareth. But you have to love and admire Mary's response. Despite all of her questions and her doubts and her deep struggles and her feelings, she finally responds to the angel saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What an amazing bit of trust I mean, in just a few moments, Mary travels from anxiety to acceptance. Mary has all these questions, but she chooses to step out in faith and to put her trust in who God says she is and what God says he's going to do. She says, I might be scared out of my mind. 
I might not completely understand what's going on here, but I'm going to choose to trust. She's ready for the adventure that God has for her. How about you? Are you ready to trust what God has to say about you? Well, Mary's story doesn't just stop there. It continues on because she goes to visit her cousin named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth also is about to give birth to a very special child. And they have this amazing encounter. And within this encounter, Mary breaks into song. I don't know if you love musicals when people just randomly start singing. I would just love to see that on the street sometime. She breaks into a song. And it's not just on the charts for a couple of weeks, like the top 40 list. It's been on the charts for thousands of years. Still today, millions of Christians are familiar with the song that Mary sings. Now she has traveled from anxiety to acceptance to adoration. And she sings, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Or some translations say magnifies the Lord. How my spirit rejoices In God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me, for he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever." Now, I think the most amazing thing about this song is how Mary now has traveled from all of these doubts and questions and struggles all the way to praise, all the way to joy. In the middle of maybe one of the most confusing and sorrowful things someone could go through, especially at that time in history, she is able to travel all the way to rejoicing in what God is doing and has said. Now, before you say, well, of course she's joyful. I mean, she's going to have a baby. It's awesome. She'll have, you know, great showers, and she'll get to put pictures on Instagram, and it's going to be this awesome occasion. You need to remember that this was an incredibly difficult time to be pregnant. The infant mortality rate was off the charts. Many mothers never made it all the way towards giving birth. Meanwhile, they're in this town where life was really awful. But I remember when I first learned that we were having our first child, our son Soren. We were moving back from Iowa. I had done my pastoral internship down in Des Moines. So we were already kind of celebrating. We got to move back out of Iowa. But right before our moving crew was coming, it was my dad and a bunch of friends, Lex gave me a card. It's kind of odd. So I opened up the card and it said, we're expecting, we're going to have a child Don't tell anyone. In that moment, everybody comes in the door. And the whole time, I am so joyful, I'm ready to jump up and down, and I couldn't let on to anyone the rest of the day. It's a joyful thing to have a child, but Mary had all of these other things going on in her mind. The baby represented many more concerns and fears than joy. And so where exactly is her joy coming from? Her joy begins in those first words from the angel Gabriel. The angel says to her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. 
Now, this doesn't mean that she did something special or that she earned this favor or that it's like a compliment God has given. No, favored means grace, and grace is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. What the angel is saying to Mary is God has chosen to gift you with his grace, and not only that, he is present with you every single step of the way throughout this adventure And that is where Mary's joy comes from. The truth about who God is and how he's interacting with her changes everything. Now, there's something we need to recognize here before going on, and that's this. There is a huge difference between happiness and joy. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. You see, our culture puts a really high value in happiness. I mean, we're told we should be on a pursuit of happiness, right? That we should always focus on what's going to make us happy, regardless of how it affects others. But happiness is what we feel when our circumstances are good. Happiness is always bound to something external, apart from us. Joy, on the other hand, is a deep contentment that we can feel regardless of our circumstances. Joy is possible no matter where we are at on the adventure. Now, maybe you've witnessed this before in other people's lives. I've seen it especially in third world countries. I remember being down in Honduras one time and experiencing some of the most overwhelming poverty that I've ever seen. There was one family living under sheet metal, but yet they had some of the deepest joy that I've ever seen. Now, they certainly would not say they were happy all the time. I mean, they didn't even know if they were going to make it to the next week, but they had this deep abiding joy in the goodness of God. And it was contagious to other people. They had a joy that is possible despite their circumstances. You see, God wants to bring us today on an adventure, on a journey. Not from sadness to happiness. It's way too shallow. He wants to take us on an adventure from sorrow to joy. And there's a world of difference between those two things. Mary's entire life was turned upside down. She had more pressure and stress than probably any 12 to 14 year old should ever have. But she began her adventure with deep abiding joy because she knew she was favored by God and that he was with her through everything she would face. And so no matter where you find yourself at today, no matter what struggles and valleys and difficulties you might be facing, you too can hear those same words from God. God is with you. He's walking with you. And he's speaking into your life. And he's meeting you where you are at, no matter how you feel. And meanwhile, he's speaking to you today that you too are favored, that he's gifting you with his grace. He's with you. Embrace that and receive that and stand on that. Now, how often do you take time to think about how you are favored 
by God. If you're like most people, you probably don't spend much time thinking about that at all. I mean, I think many of us just purely think God maybe tolerates us. You know, like we maybe just barely make the cut. Like maybe if he doesn't think about it too deeply, he'll allow us to continue on in a relationship with him. I love to go to concerts and see live music. And I was looking at Ticketmaster the other day for a concert that's coming to Minneapolis, and I saw that there are VIP tickets for $850. Can you imagine? And you get to sit right down front by the artist. Those are the favored people, right? I mean, my price range, I was in the nosebleed section at the very top. And I think oftentimes we think that we are allowed maybe to sit in the nosebleed section when it comes to God's presence. I mean, those other people, they can sit down front, but maybe if God is just feeling good that day, he'll let us barely get in the door. Church, that's not true at all. You are highly favored by God. He loves you beyond anything else. His word for you today is greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And before you start to think, yeah, that might have been true in the past, but after all that I've said and done in my life, there's no way that it's still true today. You need to hear it again. You, you are highly favored by the creator of the universe and not because of anything you have done or not done. It's because you are simply his beloved child and he loves and cherishes you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Go for it, go for it. Those are the truest words you will hear today. And I think there are people here today who desperately need to hear that. That is true for you personally. You are highly favored by God and he is with you no matter where you are at. But I think it's also only natural to think, well, if that's true, then why am I still facing so many difficulties? Why am I going through a valley today? How can it be true that I'm highly favored and he's with me, yet I have to face these stresses and difficulties? Well, here's the thing, church. God's presence and God's favor doesn't guarantee an easy ride. It's not guaranteed to bring us happiness at all times, but it is guaranteed to bring us joy. Jesus was so upfront with us. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. To which we say, Jesus, way to sugarcoat it, right? I mean, couldn't you have put it a little, you know, more graceful or easy? But he's like, no, you're going to have troubles. We live in a broken, difficult world simply the way it is. Things aren't always going to be happy and easy and comfortable. But despite that, joy is still possible. It's available. It's accessible right here and right now. And so this adventure that God wants to take us on, this Advent season, from sorrow to joy, begins with these words, you are favored and the Lord is with you. Now, I think there's two things to notice about this simple phrase. It's all about God's outlook and God's proximity. God's outlook towards you and his proximity towards you makes all the difference in the world. 
Now, throughout Scripture, we see how God specializes in mending broken hearts. And I believe there are many different reasons why many of us here today might be experiencing a broken heart. Our heart can be broken for so many different reasons. It can be the loss of a loved one, maybe even decades ago. It can be a separation. It can be a divorce. It can be a relational conflict with a friend. Or our broken heart can come from a loss of a hope or dream that we've had. Maybe we always expected to be married or always expected to have children or we always expected that we would be more successful than we are. Or our broken heart can come through the rebellion of a child, some, a child who makes bad decisions, who walks away from their faith or even walks away from their family. A broken heart can come from losing a job. You know, oftentimes our identity is so closely related to the work we do Oftentimes, that's where we find our sense of security and significance. There are many reasons why our heart might be broken today. But listen to the words from Psalm 34, where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It's proximity, right? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. That's his outlook. Outlook and proximity make all the difference in the world. God doesn't just sit back and observe. He doesn't sit back and be entertained by our struggles. No, he's close and his outlook is to rescue and to love and to redeem. In fact, King David, he wasn't a stranger to a broken heart. He's the one who wrote this psalm. And look what he says in verse 5 of Psalm 34. He says, those who look to him for their help, will be radiant with joy. Now you need to understand where David is writing this psalm. He's in a cave. And the reason he's in a cave is because King Saul is trying to track him down to kill him. King Saul, his mentor, his father figure, is now trying to murder him. And even despite that sorrow and that brokenheartedness, David is able to proclaim his deep joy in the Lord because of God's outlook and God's proximity. Now, if you have any doubt about this, if you have any doubt about the truth of this for you, look no further than the Christmas story, which took place 2,000 years ago, where Jesus came into our world, God in the flesh. It's proximity, right? Jesus is God's gift of grace for you. You are highly favored. Remember, the Bible says Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He didn't want to be distant from us. He didn't want to be somewhere off in the clouds. He wanted to be right down in the dirt with us. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the Message Bible. In John 1, he says, God moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that amazing that God would downsize from heaven to here? What a sacrifice. What an expression of love. And one more thing. He didn't stop by just coming into the world. He, he went all the way to the cross. And he died for you and for me. The greatest showing of love that could ever be done. And it's not because of how good we are. No, it's because of how good he is. Now, I think it's so hard sometimes to grasp this kind of love. It's so hard to accept that kind of love. 
Do you believe that God loves you that much? Do you believe that, not just in general, but specifically and personally for you? That if you were the only person living on earth, he still would have come into this world to die for you. The birth of Jesus means you are loved by God, no matter what your story is. And his greeting to you today is greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. I think some of us need to repeat that every single day until it changes our perspective. Because no matter what you will encounter, no matter what you will experience, no matter what you will face in this life, the fundamental truth is that you are deeply loved by the God of the universe, and he will never, ever leave your side. And it's by embracing those truths that you can experience a deep and abiding joy day in and day out even despite our toughest circumstances. So Christmas might be one of the hardest times of the year for you. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We're all going to walk through valleys. We're all going to walk through darkness. Happiness is going to come and go. But joy will be eternal. Joy is a gift that comes from God. And he wants to bless you with his joy deep down into your soul. And it comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to invite you into the most exciting adventure. An adventure where you experience purpose beyond yourself. Where you get to partner with God in what he's doing in this world to redeem broken people. You see, every day is an opportunity to accept and receive God's grace and what he has to say about us and then go out and share it with other people. I mean, imagine the people you are going to encounter in the seven days before Christmas. Imagine the people maybe that are sitting at your dinner table on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Imagine the encounters that you're going to have, people who desperately need to hear what God has to say about them. Each day, be reminded you are favored by God and he is with you. And then never fail to take the opportunity to share that good news with others. Imagine all the people who need to hear that God loves them and that he's with them. Imagine how that could change our community. Imagine how that could even change our world to recognize God's outlook and God's proximity. Because it changes everything. And because of his grace, each one of us can take that adventure from sorrow to deep, abiding joy. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God,